It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. He is Chris Mannix, back with us again on uh, Daily Assist. Chris, happy holidays. How you doing? What's going on, guys? Hey, we're Great just... to hear from you. Great to hear from you, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. We're just excited. Basketball's back. It feels like uh, we gave you just a very short offseason this time around, Chris. Yeah, I mean, quick turnaround, and you're seeing kind of the results of that turnaround uh, early in the season with, I mean, no defense whatsoever being played anywhere. And, uh, you know, some, some rust certainly being shaken off amongst a lot of teams. But hopefully by the time we get to February, March, you know, all these teams hit their stride and we'll have, uh, you know, good product. That's one thing I've noticed, Chris, in the early results is that you have the Nets looking the way they do and then they go out and they lose to the Hornets. Uh, I mean, there's just uh, isn't a lot of consistency. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the first, you know, month there's – going to be some wild numbers put up some upsets that maybe uh, won't be upsets a few months from now i mean you saw you know the clippers look good early on then you know utah puts 50 on them in the first half of uh of their game 50 point lead and and that kind of stuff's going to happen it's just you know the it's a shortened training camp it's a shortened preseason you know a number of these teams a high number have been off since you know some since march some since midsummer and uh, it's just going to be weird early on as teams kind of try to figure out their rhythm and their rotation. So uh, expect the unexpected, I would say, is probably the the motto for early on. Chris, even though the offseason was short, the Jazz made some major, major decisions. I mean, Donovan Mitchell, that was that was probably a really easy one to go ahead and give him his, uh, his max extension. But coming to terms on a deal with Rudy, re-signing Jordan Clarkson, and bringing back Derek Favors, I mean, some pretty major stuff. What a, what's your take on the Jazz offseason? Oh, yeah, look, I, I thought it was solid. They got a lot of their work done early on with some of these guys, and they addressed you know, things they wanted to address. I think it's a positive sign that there was as much confidence as there is um, in the Gobert-Mitchell pairing working out between them. I think we saw that coming towards the end of, of, the, of the season, the bubble season. But uh, it's good that you know, that was reinforced with the new deal for Rudy. And look, if you're Utah, if you have talent in place, talent that wants to be there, you've got to – do everything at your disposal to make sure it it stays there. I mean, you don't want to run the risk of Gobert getting to free agency, and then you know you got all these teams that you know were looking around with Giannis money, maybe looking for some place to spend it. So I think it was a smart move to tie him up, even though the contract certainly is is a big one. Uh, the Clarkson move I thought was significant too. I mean, Clarkson he basically is their bench. I mean, he was my pick for you know the NBA Sixth Man of the Year this year, largely because of the opportunities. I think he's going to get, you know, as the leading man of that second unit. And he's going to get a chance to, you know, for lack of a better phrase, be Jordan Clarkson, you know, kind of be a shooter and put up a lot of numbers and and be effective in that role. So I think getting him tied down uh, on a new deal was was really important for this group. We've talked with you in the past, uh, Chris, about the importance of uh, good team leadership from a standpoint of front office and ownership. The Jazz did change owners, and uh, everything we're hearing about Ryan Smith, and I've talked to him at length, he said that uh, he trusts Dennis Lindsay, he trusts Quinn Snyder. He's saying the things that you want to hear out of the owner. So it seems as though that whole ownership idea will continue to be a strength of the Jazz, not a weakness. Well, I mean, look, what you want from 
owners are to be there but not be there. What I mean by that is that you want their full-throated support, but you don't want them to think that their money you know, means they have some kind of basketball knowledge. And, and that's happened in the past. I mean, we had another kind of Silicon Valley guy in, in Robert Perrin, Memphis, early on there, was very hands-on with that process and you know part of the basketball decision making tree and look i i understand all owners are i mean if you're signing off on big ticket numbers you you get to have a say in that process but you hire good basketball people and you should trust good basketball people that's exactly what the jazz have they have great basketball people from the depth of talent in that front office to what quinn's done in his time with the jazz there's no reason to come in and you know, upset the apple cart and, and try to, to do anything different. And to your point, it certainly sounds like, you know, like Ryan's not going to do that. And hopefully it, it remains that way. I mean, sometimes, you know, owners have to step in and make tough decisions. But right now there aren't any tough decisions to be made in Utah. It comes down to trusting the, the front office to make the right decisions as they nibble around the fringes, try to finding the right guys to fit this mix. And in the years to come, drafting guys that, that make sense. Um, those are not decisions that owners should get involved with. You know, following that up, uh, one of the things that he said after sitting in the war room during the draft, I, I asked him his impression of uh, the, the front office folks. The folks were in charge right now. And he said, and this is a direct quote, he said, man, they know what they're doing. And I, I thought, man, if I'm Dennis Lindsay, that's music to my ears. Yeah, I mean, you want validation, no question. Uh, but, you know, Brian seeing for the first time what these guys have been doing for years, um, he should think that way because they do know what they're doing. Like they're they're very accomplished in those roles. So whether it's Dennis or Justin Zanuck or anybody else, David Morway in that crew, um, you know they should be empowered in every possible way to make the decisions uh, for the Utah Jazz until they show that they're not capable of doing it. And nothing during the Dennis Lindsay tenure as the leader of that front office has has shown he's not capable of doing this. Chris, what do you think are realistic expectations for the Jazz in the West this year? Well, I, I, again, it comes down to being really hard to read what I'm seeing early on. I mean, I think the Lakers, regardless of positioning or the class of the conference, uh, you, you certainly can make an argument they got stronger this offseason. You follow that up, and even though the Clippers threw up a dud, and I wonder what they are in the playoffs until they get to the playoffs they're still really talented when they're all the way back. But after that, you know, it's anyone's game for that number three seed. I mean, before all the injuries, we thought Golden State would have a a stranglehold on one of those spots. Now, I don't know what they're going to be. Their defense has been porous uh, all throughout this. The Rockets, you have to expect they're going to to take a step back uh, at some point when the Harden deal eventually comes through. Uh, You saw Portland's play had some ups and downs. The Jazz played them. Uh, they're going to have as many downs as ups. I mean, they don't play great defense either uh, with that group. So I think the Jazz have a chance to to grab onto a top four seed. I mean, they've they've got as much continuity as as any team you know in the conference right now. I mean, they they have a, an all world defender in Gobert who's putting up some big numbers early on in this season. So you know, g- given what we've seen, I think you know you you put the two LA teams at the top, but whether it's Denver, Golden State, uh, Houston, any number of those teams in that mix. The Jazz are right there. I mean, they, they should be looking and saying, we can compete for a top-four seed in the Western Conference. Chris, you saw what Donovan Mitchell did in the bubble. It's been interesting in the first two games. This is a year where we expect him to continue his ascent into stardom. 
And uh, the first two games, the first game he had 20 points and he was sharing the ball and wasn't really trying to dominate anything. In the second game, he was not particularly efficient. I think he was like 6 of 23. But he tried to do some things in the fourth quarter to, to, to lead the Jazz back to victory over Minnesota. They were not able to do that. What should his role be this year? And how, how often should he shoot? How dominant should he try to be? You know, I don't know that there's an a, a a right or wrong answer for that. I think what it comes down to is early on, like any star player, you want to make sure that your teammates are involved. You're better in the fourth quarter when your teammates have the confidence of 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 things that they gained in the first three quarters, that they know they have your trust and they're more likely to make shots when defenses load up on you. And then in the fourth quarter, you know, that's your time. I mean, this is a star driven league and end-of-game situations, frankly, most of the fourth quarter, you know, stars are going to get their opportunity to put up shots. I mean, we all look at, you know, those fourth-quarter statistics during the season. You know, always at the top are some of the best offensive players in the NBA, and every year you expect Donovan Mitchell to be among those those players. So I don't think there's a number you put on his shots this year or, you know, a way to kind of pigeonhole him numerically. I think you just say, you know, be patient early on. Don't rush shots. Get your teammates involved. Then when the fourth quarter comes, be the best player on the floor. And there's no reason to believe watching Mitchell play his first few years, there's no reason to believe he can't be that guy for this team. Chris Mannix with us uh, from Sports Illustrated. Chris, you mentioned uh, the Harden situation down there in Houston. A lot of drama, obviously, but you mentioned, uh, or it seemed you implied that uh, a move was inevitable. How long do you think it will take to move James Harden? Where does he likely end up? Well, I don't know if there's a timeline on it yet because a lot can change quickly, and frankly, it already has. I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie going down with the ACL there, uh, that certainly shakes up the board a little bit if the Nets are to be considered a candidate to land James Harden. I mean, Dinwiddie would have been a part of of that package. He still could be. Uh, you know, it doesn't sound like the ACL tear is is as bad as it could have been, a uh, partial tear uh, to that ACL. So, uh, maybe he can still be part of a deal, but there's just a lot that can happen. And look, the sense, the overwhelming sense I've gotten from the Rockets front office is that they prefer to drag this thing out as long as possible to see what else can materialize. I mean, is is Ben Simmons going to be available in a couple of weeks or a month? I mean, you look to Portland. Um, you know, I see they're playing Anthony Simons right now. That tells me they're trying to showcase him a little bit in a potential trade where they could land James Harden. James Harden. And Neil Olshay in Portland are very close, um, you know, dating back to his years on the high school circuit. So I think there's there's probably half a dozen teams that are legitimate candidates to land James Harden. But I think those teams, I think they kind of want to see what they are before they go in with kind of a big offer. And if you're the, if you're the Rockets, you're waiting for that big offer. I mean, you can't settle for anything less, I mean, than what, you know, the Lakers gave up for Anthony Davis or – the Clippers gave up for Paul George or, you know, even, you know, I mean, look at the hall of picks that the Pelicans got for Drew Holiday. I mean, you have to, you really got to play this out to maximize your return because you get one shot at this. Like you don't, you don't get stars like James Harding in a trade with two years left in their contract every day. You have to, to get maximum value uh, for this player. And the only way you're going to do that is by finding a way to make it palatable for him to stay there through at least the midway point of the season. Chris, is kind of a stupid question, considering that you just said that everybody needs to be patient. But you talked about the two L.A. teams in the West. Is anything happening that you is swaying your opinion about the East right now? Well, the Nets have. And, and look, as I said about Dinwiddie, that's concerning. Um, 
you know, he, he's a big part of what they do and a very good player. Uh, but they do have enough depth, I think, to overcome that loss. And when they get to the playoffs, I mean, how many teams in the league, East or West, have two guys that can get you buckets in a postseason game? Proven guys. I mean, you got a two-time Finals MVP in Durant, who is all the way back. I mean, he is all the way back, you know, from his injury. Watching him these first couple of games, uh, what he's doing offensively is 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 great. What he's doing defensively is really impressive. I mean, defensively, he looks like the player we saw emerge as a high-level defensive player in his last few years uh, before the injury. So he's there. Kyrie Irving, for the moment, looks happy, and that's that's a positive for the Nets because when he's happy and he's on, there's not many point guards, if any, in the league that can score like he can. And, look, that depth is, is what it is. It's very good. I mean, Karis LeVert would start on probably you know two-thirds of the teams in the NBA. Jared Allen is a shot blocker at the center position. Joe Harris is a 40-plus percent three-point shooter. So they can go eight, nine deep with guys that are – quality NBA players, even without Dinwiddie. So I think the Nets, to me, you know, as long as they don't have dysfunction or further injury, I'd favor them over everybody else in the playoffs because in the playoffs, you need guys that can make shots, and they have two guys that are guaranteed to get you buckets. Chris, you're close to that Celtics franchise. Curious to your opinion about Gordon Hayward's offseason, finding his way out of Boston, signing that big deal in Charlotte, and really off to a terrific start. I mean, his agent deserves – Agent of the Year Award or Agent of the Decade <laughs> Award for what he's done, Gordon, over the last you know couple of contracts, few contracts really. Uh, when you look back at the offer sheet that um, that Charlotte signed him to in his first time out in free agency, I mean, I, 120 million is a remarkable number for a player that you know through no fault of his own, you know, did not have uh, standout three years in Boston. Uh, but you know, Charlotte, you know, look, it all it takes is one team to really believe in you and really need you, and Charlotte did. And look, it's a small sample size, but early on, Gordon's played really well. You know, he's had two of the three games he's played are about 28 points. Um, he's been, I, I think, a good fit alongside the Terry Rozier, Lamelo Ball, uh, you know, the, 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 the young point guard they have there. They like that group of players. He's been kind of what they need—a veteran presence that is somewhat stabilizing with that group. So, you know, good for Gordon. I mean, I, you know, you have your obvious questions. I mean, you go to a team like Charlotte to spend the rest of your prime of your career how much do you really want to win or how much are you placing a premium on winning? But I mean, it's easy for me to say, I mean, I'm not getting offered, you know, 15, 20 million extra dollars to go play in, in one city. So uh, I think he'll do good things in Charlotte. I don't know how it's going to manifest itself. I mean, will it mean they're a playoff team? I doubt that, but he's got three more years after this to, to put him into the playoffs and, and who knows, maybe they'll be able to develop some guys enough to be a contender. One guy, Chris, who has really stood out in the early going so far here is uh, Brandon Ingram. Do you believe that he uh, is really is that kind of player that can uh, put up the kinds of numbers and have the results that he's uh, put yeah, up so far? He's a potential dominant scorer. I mean, I didn't vote for him for most improved last year because I don't vote for guys as the number two overall pick to be most improved. You're supposed to improve <laughs> when you're the number two overall pick. Um, but that doesn't take anything away from who he is. I mean, he is an all-star on his way to being a high-level all-star uh, this year. I mean, look, this is a guy, and I wrote it during his pre-draft process when I went to visit him and spend time with him in uh, upstate New York. I mean, he, he has a lot of Durant in his game, his offensive game. It's not just the body type. It's what he can do, the drives, the length, the way he scores. Uh, you know, he can be a dynamic scorer. And, you know, slowly but surely, he's polishing his game, whether it's defense, playmaking. He's doing a little bit of everything uh, with that team. So, you know, look, yeah, it's like I said, you you, you, you got to – 
you had to get something big back in return for Anthony Davis, and they got something big in Brandon Ingram, who you know isn't Davis, but you know certainly has the ability to be a franchise player like Davis was. Chris, last thing for me before we let you go. Um, of course, you hold down the basketball coverage there at Sports Illustrated very well, but I was excited. Uh, another one of our NBA Daily Assist guests, Howard Beck, I think you know he jo- joins us as well. He joins you there at Sports Illustrated to bolster that NBA coverage. You guys are going to do some amazing things this season. Really excited about it. Yeah, I'm not. He's going to drag me down. There's no <laughs> doubt. It's, uh, I, I battled against it. I was hoping. To, I was hoping to take his money and hire 14 bloggers uh, to just basically repurpose my content in various forms. But hey, look, I don't have any uh, any fan. And Howard's the best. Uh, we, we, uh, we. I've known Howard obviously for most of my writing career. He's a preeminent feature writer. He does a little bit of everything. We'll do in the podcast every single week together, which I'm looking forward to because. You know, like you guys know with radio, I think with podcasting, you like to hear familiar voices week after week, and we'll be doing uh, our show every single week uh, together and, and doing video stuff as well. So he's he's great, man. I'm I'm excited, you know, to, to get to work with him as a teammate as opposed to just a, uh, a writing colleague. You know, one last thing for me, Chris, and that is if you were going to advise Daryl Morey, would you say uh, just uh, take your, uh, your, your account, your uh, Twitter account, and, and put it in the garbage? I mean, no, I, I'd say, well, first of all, like, whatever that repost app was that reposted that tweet, like, should pay his fine. Like, see, like <laughs> I'd never heard of it before. You know, like, on this date.com, whatever it was when that, that reposted automatically, like, like that, that has gotten more free publicity than it ever would have had before. But, yeah, I mean, maybe, uh, maybe just do a clean sweep of the, the Twitter account and make sure <laughs> something like that never happens again. I will say this. That was a wild fine, though. I mean, I understand that Daryl – has not earned a lot of credibility at the league office for, for his Twitter account. I, I get that. But, I mean, that, that clearly looked like a, a automatically generated repost from a time when Daryl was the GM of the Houston Rockets. And to get things $50,000 is that's about jump change. I don't care how much you're making uh, as a top-level NBA executive. So, uh, to me, that almost – when I first saw that fine, my first reaction was like, okay, the NBA couldn't do anything to Daryl Morey for the Hong Kong tweet that got them – that cost them so much money, but they can do something here, and I think they, I think they just did. Chris, uh, happy New Year! Thank you very much for jumping on with us. Uh, look forward to a great season. You got it, guys. It's our friend Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated, uh, going to be part of our daily assist lineup uh, this year, and we're really excited about that, Chris. Uh, amazing, does amazing work for Sports Illustrated across uh, a number of different mediums. But uh, excited about having him back again. You know, as he was talking about Howard uh, making fun of him, I was thinking uh, Howard probably say the same thing back at Chris, wouldn't he? <laughs> hey, SI, I I was excited that they brought Howard aboard. Uh, you know, Sports Illustrated has been through a lot as a brand over the past, uh, you know, well, couple of decades really, and uh, I was I'm stoked that they're being aggressive about providing some great NBA coverage. Good for them. Well, Howard is. Howard is about as thoughtful uh, an NBA expert as you're going to get, and uh, I always, we've always enjoyed having both of those guys on our air. And the fact that we're going to have them on every week uh, throughout the season again is is nothing but good news for our listeners. Yeah, that's that's quite the that's quite the one-two punch. Uh, yep. There's there's no doubt about it.